G'day and welcome to another edition of the Two Dogs Podcast. My name's Kevin Hillier and a great little show for you coming up. Uh, we've got uh, two blokes who were born basically a week apart from each other. Both came out of the same zone into the Bulldogs, uh, the Latrobe Valley. Uh, both played together uh, schoolboy football in the Latrobe Valley. One of them was captain and the other one was the star goal kicker. Uh, and between them, uh, they came down to the club at the same year, and between them, their careers, uh, both uh, at the Bulldogs and uh, post the Bulldogs, at a couple of other clubs, and uh, for one of them in the umpiring world, uh, certainly have left their stamp uh, indelibly uh, on the football world. I'm talking about Kelvin Templeton and Jeff Geeshan. Two great blokes, two great uh, Bulldogs people, and I'm really happy to have them on our podcast, uh, the Two Dogs podcast. You'll hear from them in just a moment. But our thanks to the uh, sponsors of the past players uh, during the year, and that's uh, who makes this this podcast series possible, is uh, the Past Players Association. Uh, And they've got great supporters and great sponsors uh, and great members as well. But Justin Whitford from PFG Australia, Dave Marsh from Flash Fabrications, Dave Boxall from Midway Concrete, uh, Garden and Building Supplies, and also uh, Noel Pearce from the Australian Luggage Company. Been great supporters. Look forward to uh, getting their support uh, back on board again in 2023 when we head into another exciting season. But uh, it's been great to have them on board uh, supporting the past players and officials and also supporting this podcast series. So let's get into this episode because it's a beauty. Trust me. Kelvin Templeton, Jeff Geeshan. First things first, uh, how are you both? Kel, how are you? How are you? How's mind, body and spirit these days? Yeah, uh, look, uh, pretty good, thanks. Um, uh, you know, now that we've got through that uh, dreadful COVID period, um, you know, things are quite good. Um, uh, I've, um, I'm sort of semi-retired and uh, uh, so I've got uh, spare time to do some things uh, that I want to do, including, um, you know, some travel. So quite a lot of that planned uh, from later this year through next year. Um, so that's a pretty good prospect, really. How's the body? Uh, you know, in reasonable shape, uh, like everyone else my age that's played, um, you know, there are aches and pains. But uh, um, I, um, I exercise pretty much every day. Uh, you know, it might be for a long time, but uh, and the stuff that I do is very different to what I used to do in years gone by. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of it now involves, uh, uh, you know, sort of Pilates type uh, uh, exercise, which is uh, gentle and uh, uh, about right for where I am. But uh, but I think uh, I think still doing something every day is important both for body and also for mind. You know I think where people that uh, uh, Jeff uh, and uh, others that have played sport uh, where um, you know our bodies are used to being used and uh, you know I think um, uh, you know if we if we don't keep something going you know I think uh, there's negative effects from that even above and uh, beyond what's normal um, I think uh, you know for mental health I know for me um, you know doing some exercise every day is really important yeah Jeff how about yourself has says the mind the body and the spirit these days pretty good mate um the coaching and the work at the AFL for that 14 or 15 year period uh with the umpires and the coaching it takes a toll like um you know, I just marvel at what Sheeds has been able to do and Malthouse and uh, these guys that are gone for a long period because it does take a toll on your mind and your body, you know. But I've had a knee replacement two years ago, um, been superb, best thing I've ever done. Like I was really struggling before that. I was in pain all the time and, um, you yeah, know, just couldn't do things, just lacked mobility. But 
gee, you know, I've got no pain in it now. It's straightened it up. Um, back jogging and uh, doing all sorts of things. So it's good. Oh, good. Well, yeah. let, me, let me take you back on a little football trip. Let's go back to the Latrobe Valley under-16 schoolboy side back in the, uh, in the I, I guess it was the uh, the early 70s. 1970, 71, yeah. Yeah. Captain. Who was it, Jeff? We played in the uh, in the carnival. Yep. Guess you were captain. Was yeah, I was captain. Kel was the uh, the star full forward, and um, we played a series of trial games to make the side to start with. So, as well as our local junior footy on a Saturday, we'd play these trial games on a Sunday or whatever, and eventually we both made it through. And then uh, we came down to Melbourne for the school holidays in May of 1971 and uh, we played a series of games which got us through to the grand final and um, because of that we, we were able to play at the Morgul Ground. Do you remember that, Cal? I remember it very well, Jeff. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, was 5,000 people there, um, Kev. Jeez. And uh, the opposition had a esteemed uh, skipper, uh, Phil Manassa, and um, we played them at Norwell and we had a terrific win. Beautiful day, beautiful winter's day and 5,000 people. It was just a kid's dream, wasn't it, Kel? It was fabulous. And uh, we uh, it was just a great uh, – we had a great team. Uh, Jeff uh, at that stage and uh, uh, and Phil Manassa were clearly the two best uh, junior players in Victoria. And uh, Jeff was a, a – uh, a fantastic uh, leader and captain. And uh, we also, in uh, I think Peter Kaplan, we uh, were well coached too, Jeff. Uh, he was uh, someone that was very organised and orderly. You know, we had a lot of discipline in our group. We were, were a pretty close unit because of that. Uh, we certainly had the talent, but we also had the focus too uh, because of uh, you and, uh, and and Peter. And, uh, you know, we, we were... We were a really good team, and uh, we, you know, were were uh, a strong force right throughout that competition, and pretty clear winner on the grand final day. Yeah, well, that Peter Kaplan, the, the coach you spoke about, Cal, he um, was a little bit before his time, wasn't he? The way he, he sort of connected the players. One thing I remember, Jeff, uh, if you recall, we, we used to have team meetings. They were always on the second, never late, and he'd arrange us in seating depending on our positions on the field. You know, we had uh, we'd have uh, information that he'd give us to read. Uh, we'd have information about the opposition. Uh, all of those things. I, I doubt we're going on with the other teams at that time. And those sorts of things are important. I think you know it made us uh, feel like a team, like a group. You know, a cohesive group. And uh, he did a great job in that uh, way. I think I, I agree. He was ahead of his time. Yeah, instilled really good habits, Cal. And uh, it was probably uh, no surprise that yourself and Myself sort of played senior Latrobe Valley football the next year based on those that grounding we got from uh, from that carnival. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it, it was great to. Uh, it was very competitive, and it was good for uh, that young age also to be able to look around and see um, all the other talented players around too. You know, we we're in a little patch in Latrobe Valley, but to realise there were you know there were talented good players everywhere throughout the state and uh, we developed a lot during that year again uh, our skills uh, developed a lot through that competition and mate uh, you know yourself of course your your career is is legendary but Jeff Rains uh, I think was the emergency for that team and uh, <laughs> Peter Morrison was playing that side he, I think he played over 100 games for South Melbourne Sydney 
Yeah. Um, we, we had some really good players. Yeah, we did. There's no doubt about that. Is that when it was the following year when, obviously, Jeff, you went back to Mafra and, and, and played senior footy at Mafra? Kel, was that your year when you kicked 100 goals? Yeah, that's right. That was the uh, that was the following year. Yeah. So uh, we were both uh, 16 uh, at that stage, and the Trobelli was a, was a strong country competition. Um, that year, uh, they, uh, they had a competition uh, between the senior country leagues in Victoria. That was over two years, and the Trobelli won that competition as the uh, strongest country league. You know, there were a number of ex uh, VFL players that were uh, that were playing uh, in the competition. Uh, it was a really strong competition. Uh, so, you know, for both of us, I think you know that uh, gave both of us a really good grounding in senior football at a really at a really young age. You know, quite quite a tough competition too. So. Uh, that put us in good stead, you know, going into the VFL ranks. Yeah. Kel, I don't know if you remember, but uh, at the end of that senior season, the grand final of the La Trovelli, I think it was between Maui and Sale, we played as a curtain raiser, an under-18 curtain raiser, where we played the Footscray under-19s. Can you remember that? Um, vaguely. Yeah. <laughs> we played the Footscray under-19s who qualified – to go through to the grand final and they had a week off, so they wanted a practice game. But I also think maybe Footscray wanted to have a look at the Latrobe Valley under-18 talent and yep. we played Footscray under-19. So I think they might have gone on and won the premiership. I think we beat them by about 100 points and uh, I think between us we kicked 14 goals at centre-half forward, <laughs> full forward respectively. That's <laughs> yeah, a good I, memory. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember that, but I do remember when... Uh, the Latrobe Schoolboys, we, we played Scotch College one day. Do you remember that? Yeah. Their senior team and won by nearly 20 goals. I recall that. What a great recruiting ground, not only uh, then, uh, but after that. You know, I just think about Terrelgan uh, as one place, you know, with uh, Bernie uh, Quillen, the Cordes, Jeff Jennings. Peter Munro. Uh, Rick, Rick Kennedy. You know, just the constant stream of uh, players coming from, you know, that part of the world. Yeah, no, it was a very fertile area for the for the doggies. So you both came to the doggies. Uh, Jeff, tell us how you got there in '74. Um, yeah, I, I was probably always going. I'd had two years of senior football with Mafra as a 15 and 16 year old. So I'd been sort of I'd, I'd gone away on a trip away with the Bulldogs a year before on a preseason camp. We went to Adelaide and we played Glenelg and we played Norwood and we played Woodville West Torrens and. I went away and had a little bit of taste of, um, you know, pre-season practice games over there. And then the next year, I had Bob Rose and Charlie Sutton come down to Mafra in Charlie's E-Type Jag, Cal, <laughs> and uh, pick me up and uh, drive me back to Melbourne. And, you know, I had a suitcase and a, and a training bag and uh, I, I went back to Bob Rose's place, and that's where I stayed for probably about two weeks uh, through the pre-season period and uh, felt pretty special uh, driving over to training with Bobby Rose sitting in the front seat and uh, and then after training waiting for him and going back to his house. But after about two weeks, Kel, you'd remember this well too, um, Robert had the accident and yes. um, from that moment on, I, I moved out of uh, from Bob's place and moved with their family, the Blackwood family in uh, in West Footscray, and uh, stayed there. And that's when Kel came to join me there at uh, 
39 Pilgrim Street, West Footscray. <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh, that was right. Because uh, in those days we were, um, you know, sort of billeted out to uh, uh, families. The Blackwood were a wonderful family. Blackwoods were a wonderful family because uh, um, they Jeff was already staying there. They took me on as well because uh, the club couldn't find anywhere else for me at that stage. So it was a a special favour, really, to uh, we both had uh, single beds in that small bedroom. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they were a lovely uh, family. And uh, after that, I think I I, uh, I stayed at, uh, I think he stayed at the Blackwoods. Uh, there was another family found for me and uh, I moved on, uh, you know, to other places uh, in succession after, after that. We had, a, we had a great time together there at uh, Blackwoods. I remember that place around the corner, the coffee shop with the pool table where we used to hang yeah. out all the time. I mean, Kev, we, we were just a couple of country kids, like bumpkins, yeah. dead set bumpkins, like I'd hardly ever been to the city. And, uh, you know, we lived in this uh, very multicultural uh, West Footscray area. And as Kel said, I think the, the coffee shop around the corner was um, – Mainly um, inhabited by, I think, Turks and Greeks and things like that. And we befriended those guys. Yeah. They were quite a bit older than us. Kelvin and I befriended them and had pool championships and uh, had a coffee there. And, you know, no, we had a ball there, didn't we, mate? Kicking the footy we in did. the street. And we're only walking distance from Whitton Oval or Webston Oval. And, um, you know, we, we, we just did everything together. We, we were more than good mates. We, were, we, we had a really tight bond. And, uh, we had a ball in that couple of year period. We stayed together. Yeah. yeah, no doubt about no doubt about that. So, Lee, was the footy side of it a, a shock to you both? Sort of stepping up to that to that level, or were you ready for it, Kel? No, I, I felt quite ready for it, um, and I think the only reason I did was um, because I played a the year before in the Latrobe Valley, the strong Latrobe Valley League. Um, so I was, play, I was playing against men as a 16-year-old, and you know it was a, it was a tough competition physically. You know, it was lots of uh, you know, got lots of cops around the year as well as uh, anything else. So I was ready for you know the senior competition at that stage. So I think I played two games in the reserves, and then from then on in the seniors, uh, you know, I, I did feel ready for that. Of course, it's a you know a huge challenge too. Um, you know, one of the things uh, as a young player, a seventeen-year-old, you find is you're out in the field with uh, people you've been watching on television. You know, uh, remember one day at Princess Park, standing next to John Nichols, and, and uh, you know, having a sense of sort of unreality about that. But but generally, generally, I, I felt um, fairly comfortable about it. Yeah. Self, Jeff, was was it a good easy transition for you? You'd played obviously a couple of years of senior footy. Yeah. Well, I played centre-half forward at Mafra, Kev, and, uh, you know, 178 centimetres, I was never going to be a centre-half forward in the um, at the AFL level, VFL level. So I, I found it difficult because I was used to being the focal point across half forward and, you know, from a height, I, I took a regional mark. And um, going to, to the Bulldogs, you know, you had Bernie Quinlan there and uh, <laughs> Greg Park and Laurie Sandlands and these guys were well over six foot. So... I had to adjust. I had to sort of move the half forward or half back. But I sort of wish that, you know, because of my height, I might have been groomed for a midfield-type role. So I could read the play quite well and all that. But um, I sort of went there as a key forward and um, just found that transition very difficult. And I just wish that I had a sort of um, been groomed or coached along the lines of midfield and flank rather than sort of key positions. So I found it a fair bit harder than Cal. Cal 
sort of slotted into full forward pretty quickly and was a master at the position and and understood it really well. I sort of had to work my way around, you know, finding what what the best position is. Yeah. Kel, you mentioned you played a couple of games early in the in the resis. I think you kicked 15 goals in those two reserves games and you made your debut round three against Collingwood. And Len Thompson gave you a smack in the back of the head and welcomed you to league football, I believe. Yeah. Well, it was, that- well, it was actually the best thing that could have happened uh, because, uh, you know, there, there was, I mentioned uh, with Nichols, there was a sense of uh, unreality about... Uh, you know, running out onto the, you know, the Collingwood ground. I remember my parents, because I couldn't drive, I didn't have a driver's license, of course, I was too young for that. My parents came from the country and drove me to the game. You know, I, I remember in the first 10 or 15 minutes being out on the ground and uh, just feeling the noise, uh, you know, from the from the crowd and uh, and not really being anchored to, to the game. And, uh, and that's when uh, Len Thompson sort of snuck behind me and gave me a whack right in front of the umpire, and the umpire handed me the ball, you know, five metres out directly in front. From that moment on, uh, my head was completely clear. I was in the game, uh, you know, away I went. But uh, so I, I'm, I'm thankful that that actually happened. It, uh, I mean, it sounds strange to say that, uh, you know, you benefit from the whack behind the ear, but, uh, <laughs> but I, did, I certainly did that day. I'm glad it happened. Six on debut. Uh, Jeff, you had to wait for a fair while that season before you, you made your debut and a very, very different debut to Kells. Yeah, I think I broke my ankle in one of the last practice matches pretty badly. Um, a guy called Ian Wixon, who was at the club at the time, accidentally fell on me in a, in a practice match out at uh, Skinner Reserve Sunshine. And I probably missed the first 10 or 12 games of the year, I think. And I came in and played couple of games on the bench late in the year, one against Essendon and one against Richmond back in the 74. The broken ankle uh, certainly didn't help me. I, I wasn't blessed with pace to start with and that certainly robbed me of a little bit more and a little bit of leap as well. Um, I still have a bit of grief in that ankle today. I've had a couple of clean-up uh, operations on it. But, um, you know, later in the year we played in the reserves finals and, and that was a really good experience because, you know, in those games I got to play on people like uh, Smith, Chris Smith from Fitzroy who went on and played for Victoria and Rod Carter uh, who went on to become a really good player at, at uh, Sydney. So that reserves final series was a good grounding taking us forward. That, that sort of early part of uh, both of your careers at, at the Doggies, have played a bit of finals footy, made finals in 74 and in 76, but... The club just uh, just it didn't for the talent that when you now look at a, a, a team list and you see who was and you mentioned a couple of them just before you know Laurie Sandilands, Bernie Quinlan, Gary Dempsey. I mean you you list these names off and it's it's quite an astonishing talented team, but it it never really achieved on the field what it what it should. And it's the constant thing that I get from blokes who played in the seventies is that we were such an underachieving footy side. Did you feel that at the time, Kel? Of course. I mean, I thought about it a lot since because, you know, when I went to Sydney as a CEO, I, I, I sort of reflected on that a lot uh, in terms of what I could learn from the experience uh, at the Bulldogs and take that knowledge to uh, the, the Swans. Um, I think, you know, there are a few obvious reasons why. I mean, I don't think we had a strong club culture at all. You know, when you compare it to Richmond, uh, Carlton and Hawthorne, um, who were the leaders at our time, felt it when they ran out on the field. You know, there was sort of a confidence and aloofness about uh, them. You know, they came from clubs that uh, had uh, strong culture and people had built that at the clubs. You know, if you look at Hawthorne, they built it step by step. Um, they were stable clubs. 
you know, they were financially stable. They had uh, coaches that remained there for a long period of time and administrators and powerful presidents. You know, they um, uh, they had a focus on success. And also, I think they looked after their players better than Footscray did. I mean, I, I remember uh, I was involved in the uh, Players Association's vice president. I remember talking to a director at uh, Footscray one day about that and uh, trying to engage the club with some of the things that the Players Association were trying to do, like insurance and things like that. And he made it clear that uh, he thought the club's responsibility started and finished uh, with the players on the football field. Uh, they had no responsibility, you know, apart from that. I think it was a combination of all those things. I mean, it's just a small thing, but I remember our club song. You know, there was a line in there that will come up smiling whether we win or lose. Now, it's just unthinkable uh, that Richmond, Carlton, or Hawthorne would have had a line like that in their, in their <laughs> club song. So I think there are reasons. I think we had the talent. I also think we had some bad luck. Um, I think we've talked about the uh, Robert Rose uh, accident, which um, you know had a, uh, an effect on the club through uh, through Bob. Uh, there's also um, Stephen Boyle's eye injury, which was a, a real blow. And I think Neil Saxe in '75 yeah. uh, that really affected uh, the club and several players, you know, quite badly. I think anyone that was there at the time. I still have a very vivid picture of that happening. I can still see it, call it up, um, you know, an exact uh, picture of uh, of that unwinding and uh, Saxy stumbling forward and uh, being hit on the top of the head. So, um, I mean, I think we had, we, you know, they were unfortunate things to happen, but, um, but the real reason was um, the uh, uh, lack of strong uh, club culture. If we would have had that, uh, we had the talent, then we would have been uh, uh, successful, I think, and we didn't have it and we weren't. Yeah, I agree with that, Kev. Um, the culture probably could have been better. As kids, we didn't sort of understand that at the time. But as you move through footy circles and sort of go on with your career, you sort of get to see what really successful cultures look like. But, you know, the fact that Cal was playing Brownlow medalist, uh, Barry Round Brownlow medalist, Dempsey Brownlow medalist, Quinlan Brownlow medalist, and, and a myriad of other really good players there. But the thing is, all those guys were key position players or ruckmen and... Um, we were probably a little bit unbalanced. You know, we had all this uh, terrific tall depth, but we probably lacked, you know, really smart, creative midfielders that could sort of get the ball in there and get the ball out. But we had really good players there, but probably when you look at that, like Quino ended up going to the Fitzroy, uh, Roundy ended up going to South Melbourne, Dempsey ended up going to North Melbourne, Kel ended up going to Melbourne. So we just had a myriad of tools. And Gary Baker was there as well, and mm. I think he'd come runner-up in a Brownlow. So Ian Salmon um, were a very tall side, and probably the balance wasn't quite right. Yeah. What was it like off the ground in terms of uh, was it was it a good club to be around? Because, uh, I mean, you run into the blokes from the 70s at the past players now, and the, the bond is, is pretty tight. Yeah, I think uh, there was nothing wrong with the um, connection between the players. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, – and I think, you know, in uh, a lot of the time that I was there, Laurie Sanderlands was captain and I thought he was uh, an excellent leader. So, I mean, uh, what, you know, we've learned more is that, you know, to to be successful, it's a very competitive competition. It was then. It's even more now. Um, you've got to get everything right. Everything's got to work. The culture's got to be right. The players have got to feel that they uh, have a strong bond with the club and the club has their welfare at heart. Recruiting has got to be right. You know, the coaching's got to be right. You've got all these areas that have got to be right up to the top level. 
if you have any of them or if you have several of them that are not there, you're not going to be successful because uh, it's such a high level of competition. And it was, you know, it was similar to that in our day. We had some things that uh, were up to the mark, but we had quite a few others that were really nowhere near it. And I think the combination of all that together is the reason that we weren't successful. Yeah. Great place to be around, Kev. Like, yeah. um, you know, I, I just idolised all the older guys who are at the club that I played with. And, you know, I just saw them all as legends and just love hanging out with them. And um, it was a, just a terrific place to be around. But, you know, as Kel kept alluding to, um, we just didn't quite have that ruthlessness or things weren't in place. We didn't tick every box in every area to make sure we're perennially successful. Yeah. Five years at the club, Jeff. Uh, 24 games, I think it was, in the end, and, and one goal against Hawthorne. Uh, <laughs> Kel's got four million goals to talk about. you got one. So do you remember? What, what have we got, <laughs> Kel, about 501 goals between us? <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember that goal? Yeah, I do, actually. It was against Hawthorne out at uh, the Whitnoval. I've been playing halfback, and uh, I got moved forward. We, we got beaten pretty comprehensively, and I think, mate, it was the old Joe the Goose over the top, so there was nothing special about it, but uh, at least I uh, can say I registered a goal at 11. Yep. Um, after, when when it came uh, sort of the end of that 70, was it 78 season was when you when you finished and went back to Mafra to, to coach Mafra. Was that, a, was that a decision that you made? Did you want to head back there or was did you, did you realise your league playing days were over or how, how did that play out? Yeah, I certainly realised my league playing days. That that was how I felt. I was I was twenty one. I'd been there since I was seventeen. Only played the twenty four games. You said captain of the reserves. I was to be involved in a. There were some swaps came up back in those days. I used to be trading and swapping of players, and I was going to be involved in a in a swap that could have got me to either Melbourne. Essendon or Richmond, and it was sort of a bit of a like for like. I think there was a guy at Melbourne called Robbie Walters and or someone at Essendon. And anyway, three clubs showed a little bit of interest in me. But at that stage, I just finished up my teaching education and uh, was set to become a teacher. And I thought, well, look, it's probably not a bad opportunity for a fresh start. Mafra, my old club, had been at me all the way through that season to go back and coach. So um, I'd sort of made up my mind. The teaching at Coburg Teachers College had finished up. I'd become qualified. If I could find a teaching job up around Gippsland and also be closer to my parents and mm. coach Mafra, I'd do that. So that's the path I took. Look, I do have regrets because at 21, you're probably just finding your way. And I've got this feeling had I gone to Richmond and Tommy Hafey was there and a fitness fanatic and driven me and pushed me um you know, I might have had a bit more success there. But, look, at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own career. And, um, you know, I elected to go back to Mafra and coach there. And probably if I hadn't have done that, I, I may never have coached at the AFL level. Yeah. Uh, I should mention you, you played 86 reserve games and uh, runner-up in the garden the middle twice, I think, weren't you? Yeah. Um, is that good or bad? Kev? No, no. You know, well, like, that, I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that's just that's, an indication yeah. you, you you probably played a lot of reserves. But look, I really enjoyed playing in the reserves as well. Um, but after 86 games in the reserves and 24 in the seniors, you, you sort of got to make a call on where you think you're heading with that. And I suppose the regret is that I didn't have a crack at another club. I would have liked to have done that because a couple of friends, Peter Morrison went to Sydney or South Melbourne and he went on and played 100 games. And, you know, at, at the reserves level, I, I did find it quite easy. 
but at senior level, my pace uh, was probably the thing that just caught me out and couldn't quite nail it at that level. Yeah, your '78 season, Kel, was uh, was one out of the box and and one that changed the history books for the for the doggies. Um, first, first youngest and and first player to kick a hundred goals for the dogs. That must have been hell of a season for you. Yeah, it was um, it was fantastic, and you know, being a twenty one year old, uh, you know, it was quite sort of amazing how the year worked out and you know we, we were um, I think we won seven games that year something around that so we you know we we, we struggled a bit but we had some high points uh, during the year you know when uh, things uh, came together and uh, yeah it was you know at, at that age it was quite uh, it was quite exciting yeah yeah well you had had high points the high point obviously clearly was that St Kilda game yeah no it was and I think um, that last quarter where a lot of the goals uh, uh, occurred, we were just so dominant in that quarter. You know, every every time there was a ball up, Dempsey hit it onto someone's chest, and uh, you know, one of uh, uh, Ian Dunstan or Ted Whitten or someone came running down the field, and, and there was space everywhere. I mean, I, I think from a secure the uh, defender point of view, there wasn't a lot that they could do in those circumstances. It was uh, it was just one of those moments where, or you know, for for thirty minutes where things, you know, just worked perfectly. I might be a bit biased, Kev. I, I was standing there watching in the crowd after playing in the twos, and I think it's uh, you know in all my time in footy, it's the most dominant key forward game I've ever seen because not only you kick fifteen goals, what you kick the eight behinds. Yeah, nine nine points, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fifteen eight, and just every time it went near Cal, you know, you just had this feeling he was going to win the ball, and I think St Kilda tried five or six different opponents, but it was just. Absolute domination. So, uh, still got fond memories of watching Kel dominate that game. It's the most talked about game that you played in, Kel, in terms of your personal performance. Was that the? Do you reckon that's the best you played in in any single game? No, no, I, 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 I don't because I, um, I played the um, uh, the following year. I played at full forward then. Uh, 1980 at centre half forward. Yeah. And uh, centre half forward was always the position that I um, enjoyed the most. You know, the major difference between centre half forward and, and full forward is that uh, at full forward, if um, at the time, um, you know, if you had a good lead and you could kick well, you know, you could you could uh, play pretty well at full forward. But uh, if uh, if they were the only skills you had, you could certainly couldn't play at centre half forward. Um, so now forward is a totally different uh, thing, and you need to uh, be able to display all the skills uh, of a footballer at uh, at centre half forward, and also spatially, it's a it's a much more complex position to play because you've got defenders, the ruckman falling back, you've got a lot of people people players congregating around the centre half forward, so you got to work out how you can create space, uh, and that's uh, as I said, far more complex than at full forward. So. Um, that year at 19, in 1980, I, I thought uh, many of the games I played that year were, you know, were uh, a big step up from that that game in uh, in 78. I appreciate Jeff's comments, but I think it was um, that particularly towards the end of the game was so open. There were so many opportunities. I mean, I think all I had to really do was, um, you know, was lead into open space and the ball was there. Um, so, but at centre half forward, particularly. That year in 1980, where we only won four games, um, you know, the ball was up the other end of the uh, field the majority of the time. Um, so working out how to deal with all of that, um, you know, I, I thought that was uh, at a much higher level than, um, you know, during 
the 78 season. Yeah. Uh, it's an amazing achievement to win a Brownlow medal in a team that finished bottom. I mean, that's that's quite, yeah. quite yeah. staggering. I mean, 1980, obviously, had uh, had the high points, there, but the, you did a version of Who's Sorry Now in 1980 on the footy yeah, favourites. Yeah, that's a... That's a <laughs> well, I think it was prophetic. Uh, I think it was... <laughs> I was sorry. Uh, I remember at, uh, at state school, we had a choir and uh, everyone had to participate in the choir, but I, I can recall... Uh, the teacher at the time, after hearing me sing, just say, we'll make an exception for you and uh, we'll just get you to sit this one out. I didn't go into that with a lot of talent. They, they, did, um, they did tell me beforehand that uh, uh, it didn't matter if I could sing or not, that uh, you know, they had all this equipment there, that uh, you know, they could take whatever I put down and make it uh, sound reasonable, but, uh, um, but they couldn't. <laughs> uh, goodness me! Uh, it's one of those one of those things that obviously gets brought up all the time. Jeff, you moved the the Mafra thing, then turned into a coaching uh, stint in Perth, and then from that you made your way into the into the VFL AFL system. Was that where you thought you were heading when you when you went back to Mafra? No, not at all. You know, I went back to coach my local team, Mafra, and uh, you know we were a small town in a in a very strong competition. So back in those days. Uh, you know, you didn't have the ability to recruit and from Mafra to Melbourne was a long way. So it was very difficult to get players to come and play for you. So we just relied on the local players and I just thought I'd, you know, coach there for a few years and finish out my career there. But um, I went and played an interleague game up uh, at North Albury against the Ovens of Murray League. And um, as I was walking off the ground, um, John Henderson, the ex-Collingwood captain who was the president of Wodonga, um, he ran out of town to say good day and say, look, they're looking for a coach next year. Would I be interested? And it sort of sowed a few thoughts in mind about maybe, you know, a change going up to the Ovens of Murray. Um, I thought the Latrobe Valley was a very powerful league, and it was. We we used to win the country championships. But when I got up to Wodonga in the Ovens of Murray, it, it was a, another level again. It was very powerful. And so I had six years there, and... Um, a couple of my players, I've got about five or six players drafted out of our side, and um, one of them went to West Australia. Robbie West went to the West Coast Eagles, and um, he got allocated to West Perth, and they were on the bottom of the ladder. They were struggling on the bottom of the ladder, and uh, someone at the club mentioned to him, you know, what what, what should we do about our coaching? He, he, he mentioned my name. I think Mick Malthouse endorsed it as well, and um, I had an approach from West Perth, and obviously jumped at that because, you know, going from country Victoria to state league level was a big jump and I guess that uh, I felt it was what I needed to do next if I was going to take my coaching any further. So ended up at West Perth, which is a great club. Yeah, a couple of good years there. You were coach of the year there and then you came back and uh, I think the assistant to Gary Ayers and Geelong reserves coach was the next step? Yeah, assistant to Ayers. Yeah, I wasn't the reserves coach. Oh, Michael Buck okay. was a reserves coach, so... I was Aussie's senior assistant. And back in those days, there was Easy himself. Tucky was a part-time, he was a plumber, and he was a part-time reserves coach, travelling up from Berwick to Geelong you know, a couple of times a week to do that, and to yeah. Lake Walsh. He was full-time in the fitness area. So that was it, you know, and it's quite amazing to think, you know, that's not that long ago. And, and you look at the coaching boxes and the structures around clubs now, it is, it's just multiplied so much. And... Uh, we were worked to the bone, like, you know, the coaches in that, as we're going to that uh, professional, 
we were moving from semi-professional to professional, and that was just a fantastic grounding. And again, Geelong, just a wonderful club. I think we've seen over such a long period of time now, there's something special about that place. Like the Bulldogs, they're completely different, but just a very special place to be around as well. And um, you know, we played off in the grand final in '95 when no one really expected us to. And um, from there, I, I actually had a had an approach from the Swans as well. Um, I think Kel, you were the CEO there at the time too. That's right. You? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. I went through an interview process there, and eventually it went to uh, Rodney E. Yeah. And um, the following year, I got an approach um, uh, to go to Richmond as reserves coach, uh, which I did, which um, led to getting the senior job there. Yeah. So, Kel, your your journey after Melbourne, you you got into coaching there for a little while as well. Uh, look, I had um, I went to Sydney uh, the year that I finished playing, and I had a uh, a management uh, job uh, there running uh, some medical clinics. Um, but I did I did have a year or two where I was um, an assistant there to Tom Hafey when he was coach, and uh, I, I think the main reason that I uh, that was very much part time. I was working full time. I think the main reason I got the job was I think I was the only other person in Sydney that had an AFL background. Uh, I did that for uh, for two years. That's the only experience that I had with coaching. That couple of years when Tom Hapy was there. Yeah. So how did the CEO of of the Swans happen in '95? The club uh, in '95. Four had uh, the license had been taken back by the AFL from the previous group of uh, private owners. The task was then to the club had uh, finished the year before for three years in a row uh, on or close to the bottom of the ladder. So there was a sort of rebuild job there uh, to do. So I, I was quite quite interested in that. They had a, a search for a CEO and I was successful with that and uh, and was then the CEO for roughly. Oh, between seven and eight years, seven and a half years, I think. Yeah, yeah. an interesting time. And, and Jeff, uh, we you mentioned you went on to do the Richmond senior coaching job, and then then the umpiring um, stint came after that. How did how did that happen? Well, that that happened pretty quickly. I I'd um, been over to South Australia to have a look at um, the Eagles, Woodville West Torrens, or the Eagles, and. Um, I was all set to uh, take up a coaching position over there, and um, before I did, Wayne Jackson and Ian Collins at the AFL approached me about maybe doing this umpiring role, and I hadn't given that any thought at all. And when I went home and spoke to my wife Karen and the kids about it, I mean, they they probably sick of travelling around a bit, Kev, like you know, Wodonga to Maffra to Wodonga to Perth to Geelong to to Richmond, and one of my sons was doing his VCE, so uh, they said, no, we don't want to go to Adelaide. And so I, I didn't take up that offer. I uh, went and had an interview with uh, with Wayne and Ian and uh, spent a bit of time with them. And in the end, they convinced me, you know, it would be worth doing. And at the time, they said, look, I want you to do it for a couple of years and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. And 14. Turned into 14 or 15, <laughs> mate. But I became very passionate about it because um, – you know, I could see the umpires needed a lot of support and I could see that they, um, you know, they needed some sort of structure around them and resorting around them. So I really enjoyed that 14 or 15 years, you know, helping set it up to uh, to where it is today. And uh, But it, it, it was a difficult job. You, you can never win in that role no matter what happens. You know, every decision is a 50-50 and you're either right or you're wrong. So it was a tough gig. Yeah. Just to finish up, your your highlights of your your days at the at the 
Western Oval as it was known in those days? What 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 springs straight into your head, Jeff, as your sort of high point of your time at the Doggies? Um, look, looking back, it's the friendships, and um, you know, I've still got some of those today. Not that I'm I'm around the club all the time, but people like Ross Abbey and Stephen Power and. Um, all the lads that we play, when we see each other, you know, it's just like, you know, we hadn't really been apart from each other. Alan Stoneham and Ian Morrison and uh, all those guys, we see them a lot. So the friendships that we got from there, but I, I think, you know, just being involved at that level, what you learn, what you take out of it and and how you apply it to the rest of your life and how you live your life and certainly gave me a great grounding for my career after the Bulldogs, you know, through playing and coaching at various places around um, around Australia. So it was the grounding and the things that I learnt there, Kev, was the most important thing. And probably just about people. Like um, clubs isn't about your, your ground and your, and your sheds and, you know, how many cups you've got up on a shelf, although that's very important. It, it's about the people and the people behind the scenes. It's salt of the earth, people like Eddie Walsh and Ben Bradley and mm. all those wonderful people, just great to be around. Yeah, Kel, for you. Yeah, well, I think um, I think similar. I, I mean, coming to a VFL club, you know, when you're young like we were, it's a tremendously exciting experience just to be there and to be part of that. I mean, you're really walking on air for um, you know, uh, you know, for a long period of time. Um, so um, I, I remember too, particularly those early days when uh, you know, I just you just had to pinch yourself that you were you were part of all of this. And also, I really love the competition of it. I mean, I think that's something that uh, lots of people that have played at a high level miss when they stop playing. I, I love the competition of, um, you know, being against a team, being against a, uh, an individual player. You know, I used to uh, look forward to that very much. And I missed, missed that uh, dreadfully after I, I finished playing because, uh, um, you know, you, you're all week you had to focus on what you had to do on the weekend and you thought about it and you planned it and you thought about who you were playing on and how you were going to overcome, you know, whatever advantages you thought they had, uh, came up with an approach uh, for playing that game. So it was uh, always, if it uh, if it worked, um, you've, you know, you felt a great sense of satisfaction uh, after the game that you were able to do that. You get a real high out of that. It's sort of fitting you two, born eight days apart uh, in September of 1956 and both played in that Latrobe Valley schoolboy side that was so successful. Both made your way to the doggies at the start of '74, and both looking fit and healthy and well, uh, and uh, and in good spirits uh, here in 2022. Thank you, thank you both for your time. It's been an absolute delight. No, it's thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure, and uh, it's been great to be on with Jeff. Yeah, same here, Cal. We were, as I said, we we're we we're more than just good buddies. We were very, very tight, and uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing Cal every time uh, we get the opportunity. We won't go into what happened in that, the single beds in that bedroom in the, the in the Blackwoods house in 1974. We'll just leave that alone and we'll finish we're, on. We're just country boys, <laughs> Jeff. We're just country boys. In your own words, Jeff, a couple of bumpkins had come to Footscray. That's it. <laughs> uh, good on you, boys. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. It's Cheers. a pleasure, Kevin. Cheers. Bye. Bye, Jeff. Bye, Cal. Bye, Kevin. 
fabulous to hear those memories and uh, their thoughts on footy and uh, two uh, exceptionally fine human beings, Kelvin Templeton and Jeff Geeshan. Thanks so much to you both for your time on the podcast. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm sure the Bulldogs fans are loving uh, listening to, uh, to what you had to say. Thanks once again to the Past Players and Officials Association, to Ross Abbey and his committee uh, for the great work they do and to the sponsors of the Past Players. Uh, that's PFG Australia, Flash, Flash Fabrications, Midway Concrete Garden and Building Supplies and uh, also the Australian Luggage Company. So to Justin, the two Daves and Noel, uh, your support is much appreciated and we look forward to uh, seeing you in 2023. Hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Two Dogs Podcast. There are plenty more. Uh, you'll uh, pick up uh, some uh, some memories, some thoughts and uh, some uh, great stories uh, from some of our great Bulldogs on some previous episodes, which you can find where you found this one. Uh, so uh, go and enjoy those over the holiday period and look forward to uh, bringing you the Two Dogs Podcast. And another tilt at a flag for the Bulldogs in 2023. Take care. I'm Kevin Hillier. Go the doggies. But you can't beat the boys.